welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media veteran, digital content creator, and strategist. My career has required many cross-country relocations from my hometown of New Orleans to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, back to New Orleans, and now Miami, Florida. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I lead personal and professional development conversations in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic lives. And just a reminder, I always love to know what you think about the podcast. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. Today we are going to talk about it as EX. So this is a grown folks conversation. So get ready for it. Today joining me, I have Dr. Pia. She is a psychotherapist at Resilient Psychological Services, where she specializes in working with minority populations in the areas of sex therapy, relationship concerns, family of origin concerns, and trauma. Received her doctorate of clinical psychology from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology and trained at Rush University Medical Center Marital and Sex Therapy Department, where she gained specialized training in working with couples and treating sexual dysfunctions. She completed her clinical internship at Mount Sinai, St. Luke's, and Roosevelt Hospitals in New York, where she received extensive training at the Addiction Institute of New York and the Center for the Intensive Treatment of Personality Disorders. She works with individuals, couples, and families. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Pia. Thank you for having me. Since we last spoke, you've gotten more active on Instagram at Sex I'm Dr. Trying. Pia. <laughs> yes, you are doing an amazing job because I got to tell you, one Thank of the you. things that, that caught my attention was just a tip Tuesday, which I love. <laughs> and my favorite episode that, that really caught my attention, upgraded my life in so many ways, you were talking about sex toys from battery operated vibrators to chargeable. Life changing, yes. ladies, life mm -hmm. changing. Yes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. No more of that vibrator dying out in the middle of anything. Exactly. Yeah. And like after the second use, it's not the same because you mentioned it's in not. that just the tip after mm -hmm. every use, you're supposed to change the batteries. Yes. And who has time for that? I certainly well, don't. So. Exactly. Yeah, or the money for that because that gets expensive. <laughs> right. <laughs> you might. As well Correct. As buy the chargeable one. So Correct. I knew that you were the perfect person that I wanted to discuss today's topic with, which is some of the things that are keeping us from having our best sex. So common mm -hmm. sex issues. And I feel like even though it's 2019, sex is still such a very taboo topic. And I feel mm -hmm. like people are probably suffering in silence in many cases mm -hmm. because they're not discussing it sometimes even in their relationships with their partner or amongst mm -hmm. their community of support systems to kind of say like, hey, yeah, I'm having the same issue too, or that's very common, or, you know, you're mm -hmm. not alone in this. So in your practice, mm -hmm. what are some of the issues, the top three that you would say are issues that people experience that are preventing them from having enjoyable sex. Sure, sure. So first, I want to say, though, that you bring up a good comment here that people just aren't talking about sex. They're not even realizing themselves that there's an issue sexually. So by the time they get to me, things are pretty clinically significant. Mm -hmm. So the top three, like, clinically significant issues that I see is, one, 
hypoactive sexual arousal disorder, which basically means a lack of sexual desire. And that's more than just, oh, we don't have time to have sex or, oh, we don't have the energy to have sex but rather I'm not seeing the need for it. I don't see the benefit for it. I'm not having orgasm when I have sex. I don't see the point in it, right? Mm. And then the second issue that I see most commonly in women is what we call genitopelvic pain disorder, which can either involve like a constriction of the pelvis that makes intercourse nearly impossible for cisgendered women um, so basically, they just cannot be penetrated, or they experience extreme pain or burning or ripping sensation with penetration. And then with my male patients, I see erectile dysfunction where that's like the inability to obtain or maintain an erection. And then premature ejaculation is when they are reaching ejaculation prior to them wanting to. So those mm. are the big, the big three clinical ones that I see in terms of not causing maybe clinical distress, but more so just upset is we're not having enough sex or I'm not getting off, but I don't know how to tell my partner this. Um, mm. So those are more just common issues that are being seen. Mm -hmm. And actually, the interesting thing that I was thinking about as you were repeating back my comment about not talking about sex, it's it's mm -hmm. such a ironic situation because it's like we live in a very over sexualized society where the songs mm -hmm. and the music and the images are very sexualized. But we're in it. Mm -hmm. And you would think, oh, we're having so much sex, so much great sex. But we're not mm -hmm. talking about the real issues. It's like we we talk about it, but in a very mm -hmm. um, surface kind of way, you know, that there's this mm -hmm. expectation that we're supposed to be having this porn star sex in our relationships. And most mm -hmm. of us are not. Exactly. So just to talk about um, the first issue. Hypoactive sexual arousal disorder, or just lack of sexual desire. Mm -hmm. And probably I should have stopped you instead of listing them all because I want to dive in and I know I'm not going to remember the, the clinical okay. terms <laughs> for everything. That's okay. But, so I'm going to need you to help me out with that. Um, no but, problem. So with that one, what do you usually find to be the root cause of that? Is that something that's isolated per relationship or is that something that is going on with one individual that they carry from relationship to relationship? It can absolutely be both. Right. Okay. So sometimes if this if this person enters a relationship with a lack of sexual desire, it can come from a lot of different things. Uh, one that I prim two that I primarily see would be one a lack of sexual education. They feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel good with my partner, especially with women. I might be like. I don't, I don't know how to do what that porn star is doing, right? And like my partner is watching this and I can't put my legs behind my head and I can't do this and I can't do that. So, you know, just forget it all. I don't mm. want to do any of this, right? Or I don't want to have oral sex and my partner's into that. I don't like it. So that feeling of like, you know, women are dirty or nasty if they are, you know, a sexual yeah. being. So, you know what I mean? A lot of women have this stigma attached to, I'm not supposed to be this over-sexualized woman. Even if I see the Instagram posts or even if I hear in the music, like, I'm not going to be that girl, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then the second issue can be stemming from a lot of trauma, whether that be childhood or adolescent sexual abuse or sexual misconduct, or perhaps it can be during adulthood experiencing some type of sexual trauma. 
feeling like, okay, I don't want to associate with that, that, you know, the idea of sex brings up painful memories for me, or sex becomes painful for me altogether. Or if I have these notions of negative thoughts about sex, and I'm tensing up, and my pelvis is contracted. So therefore, I can't even allow penetration to happen. It's interesting that I've realized since I've been doing this podcast that a lot of people, especially women, especially women of color, because we have been taught to be strong and endure and power through any and everything. So many of us mm-hmm. don't even recognize what constitutes as trauma. So mm-hmm. can you address what some examples of that might be? Because I think that people have experienced trauma and don't even call it by that name. Sure, sure. It can be as, you know, in your face as experiencing rape or sexual misconduct of being touched when you don't want to be. It can be, you know, down to as a child having adult males make comments on your body. I see a lot of patients who, you know, in the African-American community, we might develop a little faster, a little earlier, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, and we have breasts, we have hips, we have a butt and having older men making comments, right? That's trauma. Or, you know, as we are really developed, having people in our family tell us, oh, no, you can't wear that because, you know, a man's going to look at you differently. So growing shame, you know, mm-hmm. regarding your body. Mm-hmm. So it, it can, again, like I said, range from just the comments to physical touch all the way to rape. Uh, trauma can also occur if perhaps as a young child, you're riding a bicycle and you break your hymen at a young age. And that's extremely painful. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different painful issues that can be associated with trauma as well. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the the things that you might do with a client to kind of work through this particular issue? So for me, I, I like to address the trauma first because we can give you all the sex tips that we want. But if your mind's not in it, forget about it. A lot of the sexual dysfunctions that I see are psychologically based. So I think it's important to first explore a person's sexual history. Start talking about it, right? Because just like you said earlier, we're not talking about it. So we create this um, we create this environment in which we don't feel like so we can talk about something. So exploring yeah. what that trauma looks like, normalizing the feelings that occurred with the trauma, and helping that patient to understand, okay, that trauma was in the past. Let's heal from that. And how do we move forward present day? What do you want out of your sexual life? How do you want to overcome this? Mm-hmm. And also something that you brought up about um, feeling like, oh, I don't want to be this over-sexual woman and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times as women, anything we do that is in any way, shape, or form sexual could be perceived as Mm -hmm. overly sexual. It's like we're taught Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially through religion or other things, that Mm -hmm. women are not supposed to be sexual at all. So, um, but, and then the opposite taught to men (laughs) that like, oh, they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be over, they're overly sexual and women are supposed to just be the, the receivers of their sexual energy or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when it comes to something like that, where it might be something that you've been taught through Mm -hmm. religion or through family Mm -hmm. or things like that, Mm -hmm. how do you work through that? 
piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's hard, right? I do yeah. see a lot of patients that come in with exactly like you said, where they might call it a religious trauma of being yeah. taught these messages. Sex and I was going to ask that. I didn't want to mm-hmm. say trauma per se, but I was yeah. gonna ask, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, is that kind of trauma, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's a mismatch to what you internally believe, right? You're hearing these external thoughts of, well, my doctrine tells me that I'm yeah. not supposed to do this, that sex should only be in the missionary position and it should only be with my husband, only with the goal of procreating, right? Mm-hmm. So when, you know, a lot of times, like you see on my Instagram, I talk about masturbation. A lot yeah. of these folks might come in and say, absolutely not. I'm not masturbating. That is a sin. That right. Is, you know what might keep, right. You know, yeah. so they come in and they don't know what they're supposed to do sexually. They're not experiencing pleasure out of it. In fact, it's painful. Well, it's painful because there's no lubrication happening for the woman. Maybe the man can't get an erection. Right. Mm. So the first thing there is to explore these messages. You know, as a practitioner, I don't want to impose my beliefs onto someone. So I, I ask them first, how do you how do you believe what your religion is telling you? Do you think about, you know, how you want to live your life? And if that's the case, then okay, then we work around that. We work around, well, what does your religion tell you is the quote unquote safe thing to do or the right thing to do? And then we work from there. If they say no, you know, absolutely not, I don't believe this part of what my religion is telling me, then we explore over the years, what were the messages that you received? What were the emotions that came up for you when you began to receive these messages? How has this impacted your sexuality growing up, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes when we have a couple, there's one person who had that religious upbringing and the other person did not. And the person right. who did not really can't understand, well, that's not what I was taught, so right. I don't understand what her problem is, or I don't understand what his problem is. So I'm going to go ahead and step outside of the relationship because my partner can't give me what I want. So in those those situations, again, it's really just exploring what that person was taught and then maybe debunking some of the myths that they received, right? Like a lot of times it is that message that sex is dirty and sex is bad. And then really sitting down and thinking about it, like, is sex dirty? Is sex bad? Do you have those thoughts? So really sort of reframing their cognition about sex and providing some sexual education as well things that I'm thinking of, you know, now, like when you have some of these clients that you're having these conversations with them and then maybe their parents, do you ever Mm -hmm. get into like, how are you presenting or what's a good way to present this from a young age to not Mm-hmm. create these issues in adults, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that does come up a lot. And a lot of my patients who are parents, they have this fear that, well, if I talk to my child about sex or make it's it encouraging okay, it. Become, <laughs> exactly. They're going to become promiscuous or something, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And that's so far from the truth. The more education that we have, the more informed decisions that we can make. So for me, I tell my patients, okay, let's let's get rid of that feeling of shame and embarrassment with sex because sex is a natural, normal, and healthy part of relationships or even of solo sex, right? Mm-hmm. And so I tell these parents, it starts, these conversations should start as soon as your child starts bringing up questions about their anatomy. So usually this happens around potty training ages. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them, you know, when, you're, when your children come to you with questions, answer them. 
right? But before answering them, making sure that they themselves have the education in order to provide the answer, right? And think right. about how might they feel comfortable having this dialogue. Because if it's someone who doesn't even want to talk to their girlfriend about sex, they're certainly not about to want to talk to their child about sex, right? Right. So sometimes that involves role playing in the office here of what types of questions might come up and how they might want to answer that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I have friends who have children who are like four or five and they're already exploring masturbation that they mm-hmm. recognize, mm-hmm. you know, so it's mm-hmm. it starts really early. And that I was surprised by that. I don't have any kids. So I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Masturbating already at four? You know, and just yeah. how that conversation comes up but Mm -hmm. I think that that sets the tone because regardless of whether you talk about it or not eventually they're going to do it and depending on how that Mm -hmm. conversation goes they're just going to sneak and do it as opposed to talk to you about it so exactly um, exactly and I like to just normalize that masturbation at three four five that's totally normal that is your child exploring his or her body. And so, you know, a lot of times folks want to say, like, fuck daddy, you know, punish their child for it. Right. And, you know, that cre- that creates that shame. That creates that feeling of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. So what I tell folks is let your child know this is something you do in private. This isn't something you do when you're at school in the middle of class. This isn't something right. you do on the bus, right? This isn't mm-hmm. something you do when we're in the grocery store. This isn't something you do at the dinner table. This is something that you do either in the bathroom or in the privacy of your room. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we got got a little bit off a uh, subject there, but uh, <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's all like related, you know, because it starts from that beginning conversation. And then we have these, you know, issues with sex as adults. And when we trace it back mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times, it started from, you know, those early mm-hmm. conversations that we had with a caregiver mm-hmm. about what the expectations mm-hmm. were. Um, right. Or the lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the issue that regards painful penetration, tell me the name of that one again. So it's called genitopelvic pain disorder. And that uh, the new DSM-5 classifies it. And that it used to be called vaginismus and dyspareunia. And basically what that means is you're having a constriction of the pelvis that makes intercourse nearly impossible for women to be penetrated. So your PC muscles or your pelvic floor muscles are tightening up rather than loosening. So it's like, it feels like your partner is hitting a wall. You cannot be penetrated. Or there's that pain, which can come from um, many different things. It can have a root in um, sexually transmitted infection that might cause burning, pain, or ripping. So when that comes up, I send my female patients to OBGYN to have them examined and make sure that there's not any physical malfunctions going on, no physical disorders going on there. Um, And if that's not the case, then again, it goes back to there's some psychological underpinnings happening, whether that be a trauma, whether that be um, someone who, you know, is entering a marriage unconsummated, they've never had sex before, and they're really scared to have sex for the first time. So their body is tensing up. Mm. And for that, Mm -hmm. is it something that is then just discussed in the same way, like retracing what that trauma could be and, you know, resolving that issue? Or is it usually something, um, because I guess 
to cause someone mm-hmm. to have that extreme of a reaction or is that mm-hmm. considered an extreme mm-hmm. reaction? Yeah. So, well, I, I guess you could say extreme reaction in terms of it, it's causing you physical distress. Your, your mental right or causing your body to physically not perform in the way that you want it to. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I see women who have vaginismus that are like, I'm, I'm horny. I want to have sex, but I, I can't. Not for lack of trying, I just, I, I, my body's not performing. So you're absolutely right that first, you know, the treatment starts off with exploring what are the cognitions or what are the thoughts that you're having about sex. And sometimes that's trauma, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just negative messages about sex or just fear that sex is going to be painful, right? A lot of times women are told growing up, like, it's going to hurt. You're going to bleed. You're going to be ripped open, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, uh, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause that amount of pain. So right. really, you know, debunking those myths, providing education. And then once that piece is done, we go into more of a cognitive behavioral therapy where I assign um, Kegel exercises or PC muscle exercises so that they can learn how to really control those pelvic floor muscles. And then that moves into doing some homework outside of the office with different size dilators that the woman will insert herself to become more comfortable with having penetration. Ah, okay. And usually, I guess, when it's a situation of I feel horny, but my body won't perform, is it Mm -hmm. that? Because I guess trying to wrap my head around having conflicting thoughts that, you know, you want Mm -hmm. it in your mind, but your body doesn't Mm -hmm. want it. Or how do we reconcile Mm -hmm. that part? Absolutely. Yeah. And that can be really frustrating, right? Especially if they have a partner like, listen, I my partner and I really want to have sex with him or her, but my body just can't. So sometimes that involves bringing that partner into the office too, because the partner is really frustrated. Like, Hey, my part's working just fine. Why can't, you know, right. get it on? what's going on here? Right. And so there causes a lot of hostility and a lot of times bringing the partner in can be helpful to make them understand, Hey, listen, your partner's not doing this purposefully. There's a condition going on and, and it's, totally treatable. We've just got to work together. So having the partner receive some education about that, having the partner understand, okay, this is the exercises that they're going to be doing along the way. And it, you know, homework eventually involves having the partner help the person with the disorder insert the dilators and be a part of that exercise process as well. And then it eventually leads into sensate focused exercises and eventually intercourse. Mm-hmm. And so just as, you know, someone who hasn't necessarily experienced this specifically, mm-hmm. how do you know mm-hmm. in this case that it's not like, say, a size issue that they're not able to penetrate or that it's causing pain? So typically, if it's a size issue, you're able to be penetrated, but it won't go all the way in or you're feeling like discomfort or like cramping in your stomach. Right. This okay. is more so that penis is not getting in. Period. At all. It feels like the it's not going in. You're hitting a wall. This is someone who cannot have a pelvic exam right there. They're uh-huh. not going to be able to get a, even a finger inside of their vagina, uh, inside of their vulva. This is not, this is where I'm not wearing a tampon. Nothing is getting inside of me. Mm, okay. But this is a very common condition. Yes. 
Okay. For our... Right, people aren't talking about this. People are, like you said before, suffering in silence. So people are like, whoa, there's a name to this? This is something that happens? Yeah. Right. And so I guess <laughs> then to, you know, ask a, a, a further question. So usually if these people are not seeking counseling and, and professional help, then are they just mm-hmm. having sexless relationships? Yes. Yes. Sometimes it, it, I've seen people who've been married 30 years and they haven't had sex in the entire 30 years of their marriage. Or they're saying, okay, I remarried and this is my new partner. I haven't had sex in five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And definitely something that should be talked about more because I think that there's probably people that are experiencing this and they think, oh, it's just something wrong with me. They don't think it's like a common thing that exactly. be resolved and worked through, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times when people come into my office for, I'm coming in for anxiety, they don't even think they're going to talk about sex. They see some of the books on my bookshop and then they're like, oh, wait a minute. So there's this thing happening and we end up diagnosing this later on. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I think that we all feel like when we're going through stuff, whether it be in our sexual relationships, in our just romantic relationship, professional relationship, we feel like we're on an island and we're the only one that's ever in life right. in the history of the world had this mm-hmm. happen. And mm-hmm. there is so much power in community and support. Mm-hmm. And that's one of mm-hmm. my big reasons why I wanted to have this podcast is to talk about mm-hmm. things that are not commonly talked about and to let people Mm -hmm. know that you are not alone. This is common Mm -hmm. and there are ways Mm -hmm. that you can improve your situation, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, if we're not talking about, you certainly don't want to come into an office and talk to a complete stranger about it either. And, you know, that that creates a barrier to, to getting treatment for these disorders or issues that are very, very treatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially, you know, in people of color community, talking to somebody about mm-hmm. anything that you consider to be a problem is still very right. And we're just now, mm-hmm. you know, starting to be more comfortable with that and talking about even mm-hmm. seeking professional help. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing some progress in that in that area, but, you know, definitely hoping to see more. Um, Absolutely. So now for our third issue, erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. premature ejaculation. Mm-hmm. Yet again, mm-hmm. I think we kind of talked on email about this. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. psychological factors, not necessarily mm-hmm. biological, physical concerns. So, you know, with something like this, when someone comes into my office, first thing I do is send them to a urologist to make okay. sure there isn't a physical component going on, that this is not an issue of, you know, testosterone levels that are really low or um, just physical abnormalities, anything of that sort. And when that's not the case, it, again, is a psychological issue of perhaps I'm worried about the size of my penis. I'm worried about pleasing my partner, right? Or, you know, I don't look like the guys in the porn or, you know, I can't move like the guys in the porn. I'm not going to be able to satisfy this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that can cause an inability to um, obtain an erection. 
the other thing is perhaps sometimes there's not enough masturbation training going on and the man might get really excited and ejaculate faster than he wants to. That's when we have premature ejaculation. Or it might be that they get really excited and they're able to penetrate their partner, but then they end up getting soft during intercourse or even like during masturbation. So those are the common things that I see. I'm learning something new here. What's masturbation training? Tell me more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the first thing I have people do is say, okay, I want you to go home and I want you to masturbate and I want you to time how long it takes from the moment you obtain your erection to the moment you either lose your erection or you end up ejaculating. And then get them to notice you know, is this a 10-second procedure or is this like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or are we having delayed ejaculation where it's taking you two hours and you still haven't come? Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a matter of, okay, you need to start exploring your body through masturbation training. One, like really getting a mirror. I say this to the women a lot, but also to the men. Getting a mirror, looking at your penis, looking at your testicles, really getting comfortable with how you look. I have a lot of men that are like, I've never looked at my stuff in the mirror before. Like, I don't need to look at it. But then it's, again, and like this feeling of like shame or embarrassment about their size or about how it looks. Maybe they're at the tip of their penis looks different than someone else's and then they might be in a porn or in the locker room, etc. So really yeah. one, just getting comfortable with how their body looks. And then two, masturbating in different positions, masturbating with different types of lubrication so that they can really begin to learn, okay, if I move this way, I notice that I'm getting too excited and I end up ejaculating sooner than I want, right? Then there's also teaching the method of uh, start-stop or what people call edging now. So what that is, is masturbating until you almost feel like you're about to ejaculate and then stopping allowing yourself to lose your erection and then learn how to get it back up on your own during masturbation training. So that means when you have that partner come into play, if you end up getting soft and losing your erection, not feeling like, oh, crap, like the moment's lost, it's gone, it's over, I'm a failure, but rather, all right, I know what I need to do to get it back up. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That sounds really helpful. I've also heard men say that in certain positions they can't function like oh I I lose my erection Mm -hmm. if a woman is on top because I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't like being in a controlled position or I Mm -hmm. need to feel like I'm this would that qualify as like a a psychological kind of factor that has to be worked through or is that a matter of preference? It can be both. It can be both. When someone's saying like, I feel out of control. Okay. Well, why do you feel like you need to be in control? Like what's that about? What messages Mm -hmm. did you grow up learning or thinking that it's not okay to, you know, be in a submissive position sometimes Mm -hmm. during sex. Um, or it can be a matter of like, this just doesn't, I can't feel it this way. There are certain positions where both males and females, like I can't feel his penis or like, I can't feel her in this position. And so that would be more so like a matter of preference of like, I'm not feeling anything. So now I'm losing my erection or I'm, the woman is losing lubrication. Gotcha. Okay. Because I think that can be, you know, for me specifically, it'd be like, oh, I only like this position, that position, Mm -hmm. but it could be that Mm -hmm. it hasn't been explored or maybe explored through masturbation first and figure Mm -hmm. out, okay, well, why is it not this? It's not necessarily a mental block, but just something that can physically be explored in another way. Exactly. Exactly. And that's also where masturbation training can come into play because oftentimes 
when we masturbate, we're doing it in a very specific position. And then that sometimes is difficult to translate into partnered sex. So it's sort of like, uh, if I'm not in this very specific position, I'm not going to orgasm. So right. that's where masturbation training can say, all right, we'll try masturbating in different positions, the similar positions in which you're going to be having partnered sex to learn how to get yourself to come, right? Because I see a lot of times folks come into the office expecting their partner to get them off. And it's like, well, if you don't know how to get yourself off, how are you expecting your partner to just magically read your body? Sure, sometimes it works that way, but not all the times, right? Right, exactly. And so when you see patients, usually are you seeing individuals or partners coming in together? And which do you feel is most effective, I guess? Sure. Definitely see both. Um, I think that sometimes depending on what the situation is, like for instance, if it's that vaginismus where it's the constriction of pelvic muscles and they're not able to be penetrated, that's something where it's like, all right, I might see you as a couple, but the female and I need to do some individual work to get her ready and prepared for intercourse. So uh-huh. it can come in as a couple's issue. This is an issue that we're having together. And then maybe we need to break it off and do some individual work first. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of the couples, though, if it's a matter of we're not having, quote unquote, good sex or we're not able to orgasm or, you know, now we have kids, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, we don't have time, we're tired, then that's a matter of, okay, how do we work together as a couple to figure out what are the barriers to us having this good sex that we want or, or having sex in the frequency that we want? So sometimes that revolves around, all right, well, what are your sexual desires? Are you guys talking about this with each other? So using the time and session to explore each other's needs and desires, the barriers to having sex, and then sometimes even like setting aside homework of, okay, you guys are going to go home this week and you're going to have sex. Maybe you need, I mean, it might not sound so fun and it's not <laughs> Right. You know, like you need to schedule some time on Friday night at 8 p.m. You guys are going to have sex. You're going to get that babysitter and that's going to be the night. Whoop, whoop, Friday at 8 (laughs) (laughs) Get ready. Exactly. Right, right. But it's so interesting because it seems like with all of these issues, the the biggest um, factor in resolving them Mm -hmm. involves communication. With you know, saying what it is that your thoughts are at the time and, you know, why you feel this way and all of these things, not only with your partner, but with a professional like yourself who can kind of help you mm-hmm. navigate some of those mm-hmm. feelings and normalize and, and validate mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So if someone's listening and they want to make an appointment with you, how can they get in touch with you? Because they're saying, okay, well, I need, I definitely got some things I need to talk about with somebody about what's going on in this bedroom or what's not going on that I would like to have going on. How do they get in touch with you? Sure, sure. So my our website for the practice I'm a part of is www.resiliencechicago.com. So that's R-E. S-I-L-I-E-N-C-E, Chicago.com. 
And also you can follow me on Instagram at sexfactorpia because like you said, I have just the tip Tuesdays where I talk about some of these things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Give little tips here and there, right? Give some book recommendations and such. So that's the easier way to just kind of, you know, go scroll along and see some different tips and things. Do you have mm-hmm. any book recommendations regarding these topics specifically? Yeah, absolutely. So one that I think is really helpful for folks to read is Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski, where it provides a lot of sex sex um, education and information about specific disorders and just, you know, sexuality in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, another good one is Completely Overcome Vaginismus by Mark and Lisa Carter, where it really is a a step-by-step program to overcome vaginismus. And then there are two other books that I recommend for my male patients, and that is either Coping with Erectile Dysfunction or Coping with Premature Ejaculation. Both of these books are by Barry McCarthy. So these are just some really helpful kind of like how-to tips and guides that, like you said, normalize what's going on and provide education as to what's going on, and then step-by-step procedures as to how to overcome these dysfunctions. Awesome. And I see you have an event coming up February 23rd. Yeah. So it's an event going on with this great dynamic duo, Bold Purpose. And um, the event is called Mask Off, Love and Sex, the Authentic and Intimate Conversation Series. Like you said, it's going to be February 23rd from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. at Evolve Her, which is located at 358 West Ontario Street in Chicago. And to get tickets, please go to Instagram at Bold Purpose and follow the link in their bio. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you. This was wonderful. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you would like to talk about or anything that you want to mention? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and thanks for having this platform. The only other thing I'm going to say is just let us all debunk these myths that sex is dirty and sex is not for female pleasure and let's start having these conversations to decrease the taboo of talking about sex. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon.